Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, I have a special treat for you. I have two guests, not one, but two guests with me today, Mimi Bishop and Jackie Gadeen. Hi, guys. Welcome. I am so happy to have you guys here and to be connected with you. I've been looking forward to doing this interview, so it should be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. You're welcome. It's our pleasure. So as mentioned, Mimi and Jackie, you both have had your very own successful kick-ass careers in different areas and different types of work, and you now collectively have founded and run an organization and movement called the Modern Gen X Women. What are some of the key things that each of you ladies do to prioritize and organize yourselves and your time so that you don't burn out with all that you do? Oh, I love this question. Can I answer it? Go for it. You can both both jump in. I'm a big strategic planner. So Jackie and I take a little bit of a separate approach on this, but I'm a strategic planner. So it's really being clear on the end result and goals that I have both professionally and personally, and then being very clear about what that looks like in the practical day to day. So you have this gigantic goal of building this business and creating a movement. What does that look like in the here and now? And then it's being very intentional on understanding what the steps are that I can take to get there in the next week, the next couple of days, that kind of thing, and always reevaluating. And in terms of not burning out, it's also being as strategic and thoughtful in what my downtime looks like. Because what I find is sometimes we are so intentional about the work but we aren't intentional about what we do when we're trying to play and really restore our brains and our minds and refuel. So we want to make sure that we're making the most of our time and that we are doing things purposeful, right? Are we spending time with friends and family that lift us up or things and activities that get us excited and then making sure that happens as well. Okay. Jackie, how about you? Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, mine's a little bit different. I'm very much about planning, but I also recognize that I burn out very easily if I am not being a CEO enough. What fuels me is thinking big about the business and thinking about what is the next big thing we can do and how are we going to get there? And if I get in too much into the day-to-day, I burn out. The other thing is adaptability. Having a 14-year-old neurodiverse daughter, having a mom who's dealing with some health issues as an only child, and my my dad passed away several years ago, and my husband works long hours, I realize I have to be adaptable. So in in order not to burn out, I need to recognize if something changes in my quote-unquote planned day, (laughs) I need to go with it 
And then I need to consciously decide what I'm not going to do so that I can then prioritize myself because after my day has been shook up, I get very exhausted because yeah. I use the prefrontal cortex more. So that's one of the things that I'm really conscious of is if I have to shift, do what I have to do and then do what I get to do. And yeah. if I do that, I can usually stay pretty grounded. And we need to be okay with that. We need to release any attachments to outcomes and expectations because life happens. Shit comes up and we do. We have to just roll with it and go with the flow and shift and change as we need, right? Yes. And I think that's where the friction comes in, right? When we aren't able to be adaptable, it's great to have a plan. It's great to really be very clear about what you want to go after. But like you said, when life gets in the way, if we're not able to be adaptable, then all this friction starts in our minds where the stress starts. I'm not getting it done. It's not going by plan. And it's that downward spiral into burnout and all those other kind of feelings. So it's being able to go with the flow. And really the days where everything goes to plan are Typically, I don't want to say one-offs, but it's equal, right? You're going to have your days that go according to plan and days that aren't. And to expect the days that aren't to happen all the time, like it's just not going to happen. (laughs) No. (laughs) Frustration. No, those days where everything goes to plan are far and few between, right? Yeah. Right. Especially at this age, especially as women in this age, midlife, we're Gen X women and the demands are just getting more and more. And then we're at this crux of this time in our lives. And we just need to recognize and ask for help if that's what we need to yes. do. And, and, and that I is really a huge encourage thing. women to do that, especially because we, you know, as Gen X women specifically, we're resilient. We wear that badge of honor and <laughs> right. we forget yeah. that resilience doesn't mean that we have to take it all on. Resilience is for when we have no choice. Resilience is not for when we have a choice and really being able to consciously recognize that is great. But we always have a choice though, really. And there's always a choice. But right. Some choices are harder, right? If yes. you have a bad boss, resilience is a lot of times for you to stay in it because I can deal with it. But you do have a choice to leave. But if you're mom gets sick with cancer and it's only you don't have a choice not right. to be the one i guess you do but it's right. not a choice that a lot of people a comfortable to choice so that's yes. what it is it's not that you don't have a choice but there are things or if i get sick myself yeah there's no choice in that so no. i can either collapse or it can be resilient and that's what i mean by choice where yeah. there are things that happen to us that are out of our control and then what we do in response to that can be there. Yes. And I love that you pointed out asking for help because that is so important because women so often because of conditioning and all the other shit that comes you don't ask for help. You're taught not to ask for help. You can do this all your, like you said, I'm strong. I'm resilient. I can do this. And it's okay to ask for help. That's not a sign of weakness. I think it's actually quite the opposite. It's a sign of strength. Yes, exactly. It's, it's a sign that you don't need to do it all. And, and yeah. that does, that's not part of what makes you an, an amazing woman. And I that's think right. that women have to shed that badge of busy and start recognizing that I don't have to get it all done. I don't have to do it all. I don't have to be superwoman or wonder woman. Nobody calls you bread Superman because <laughs> no. you're doing a bunch of stuff in the house. And you no. are, Maybe on like, Father's Day. Right. <laughs> Maybe, which is coming Maybe. up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, Jackie, I want to shift to you. In your past life, before Mimi, you worked in the world of publishing. Why did you decide to go into that world? What what, what inspired that journey for you? Oh, so this is actually funny. My entire life, Brad, I wanted to be a lawyer. And if you knew me 
well enough, you'd be like, oh my gosh, no wonder, because I negotiate every point. I always point <laughs> everything. I bring my evidence to the table, but I always wanted to be a lawyer and I always wanted to be a trial lawyer. And I was a junior in college and I decided that I woke up one day with the epiphany, I can't be a trial lawyer because that's what I wanted to do because I am too empathetic. How am I going to put my head on my pillow at night? And I panicked because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I loved writing and I took a book publishing course and fell in love with publishing. And from there, went after publishing companies. I want to get into publishing. And I, I started in magazine publishing and it took off from there, but it really was not in my plan, which I think <laughs> oftentimes it's not. And also I think it's this idea that you just need to be open to exploring new opportunities and new things and something will come to you. It's when you're closed off or frigid or nervous, or especially we deal so much with women in midlife it's the same thing. I need to, I want to pivot. I don't know what to do, but they don't approach it with curiosity. They approach it with panic. They approach it with how am I going to figure it out and overwhelm and just approach things and explore things with curiosity. Love that. Great advice. What were your responsibilities? You worked at a company called Adage, right? What were your responsibilities? Adage. What were your responsibilities there? Can you give us a bit of a background? Also, what was the catalyst or what inspired your journey out of that into the world of entrepreneurship? So I worked, I was the associate publisher of Ad Age, which meant that I ran the business side of the magazine and the website and the events, which meant marketing and uh, sales and uh, audience. So it was and building out new business units. So it was a big job with a big team. And really my responsibility mostly was to drive revenue and to run and lead a successful results-driven team. That was it in a nutshell. So everything I did was through that lens of how do I motivate my team? How do I keep them ignited in the mission of what we're trying to accomplish? And then how do I support them? And then also, what are the new revenue streams that we can build? My whole world was publishing and building out that business. And how long did you work in that world? I was in publishing 20 years and I was at ad age for 11 of those, a long career there. And so you also have a background in training in neuroscience, positive psychology, and are a certified coach. First of all, why did you decide to specialize in neuroscience and positive psychology? I wanted, I decided to become a coach about a year after I left ad age when I didn't know what I wanted to do. I left because my daughter needed me to be home more and I couldn't right. be at work. So I did that and... When I started investigating schools, I loved the idea of neuroscience because I've always been a psychology geek and <laughs> I wanted to understand how to help people create sustainable change. And coaching to me isn't just tell me about what's next and why do you feel that way and how come you're stuck and that's fine. But I wanted to understand how do you pinpoint the things in the brain and how do you create new neural pathways so that the change can actually stick. And so that to me is fascinating. So everything that Mimi and I do in our business is based on our philosophy and our formula of adding energy leadership with brain science and positive psychology in order to create new habits. And when you do that, your subconscious mind gets optimized and you become the person you want to be. And there's not as much of a gap. Okay, Mimi, I want to shift the conversation over to you. All so right. in your past life, before Jackie, you worked in the marketing world. Why did you decide to go into the world of marketing and what inspired that journey for you? So it started back in high school where I was just really one of the artsy kids. And mm -hmm. I really 
just loved creativity. And so fast forward, I skipped my senior year of high school. I went to art school and graduated with a two-year degree and then really wasn't sure what I wanted to do next. So I started working in retail and management. And as I started to think more about how do I combine creativity, though, with more structure, which is really what I'm all about. I love routine and structure. Marketing really was a perfect fit because there's a nice balance of business acumen along with creativity there. So that's really how it, it, it evolved. And then I went back to school for a degree in marketing communications. And then similar to Jackie, went into the media field after I graduated. And that's where it really started. And then I wound up being in media at a company called News America Marketing, which was a division okay. of News Corporation. So very right. media heavy in New York City. And eventually I was vice president of marketing services for that group, for that company rather. So in that role, I led the marketing of the way we were positioning our portfolio to our advertisers who were big CPG companies. So while I wasn't really forward facing, I worked very closely with our sales team. Those were my clients. So the role there was to really understand what their goals were for each one of those individual clients and then put together materials and presentations and decks and pitches to support whatever those objectives were. Now, you are also a certified coach. You're an energy leadership index master practitioner. So I have to ask, what the fuck is an energy leadership (laughs) index master practitioner? The most ironic thing about this whole thing with the energy leadership is, unlike Jackie, when I was looking around for coaching programs to get into, I didn't even realize that energy leadership was such a big part of the training I was going for. I was more interested in a school. I went to IPEC that had a lot of, again, structure and a big curriculum and where I knew that I would leave having exactly what I needed to become certified. So that was the important thing. But there coaching principles are all based in this thing called energy leadership. And essentially what it is, using your emotions, understanding your emotions to regulate the way you are thinking and showing up in the world. So energy, your energy is really a reflection of your emotions. So if you're feeling excited and happy or optimistic or in love or anything like that, those emotions are high emotions. And when you take action from those places, not only are you really giving more influence in the world, but you're acting in a way where things are coming that much easier to you, right? Things are coming easy. You're able to make the connection. You're able to influence others. You're moving forward in a positive way. On the flip side, when you are struggling with lower emotions, anxiety, depression, anger, those are lower emotions. How do you act when you're feeling that way? It's hard to get out of bed sometimes. Yeah, for sure. And so a lot of us though, we all have personal energy and average energy that we walk around with. Most of us unbeknownst, right? We don't know. And a lot of times if we're not familiar with our emotional intelligence, that number is low. Yeah. So energy leadership allows us to work with the individual, identify what that average resonating energy level is, and then work with them to level it up. So no matter what's going on, your energy level, instead of maybe like a one or a two, 
on a day-to-day basis, it's a four or a five. Now, that's not to say that, God forbid, your dog dies and you're not going to have a horrible day, but you'll go back up to that level. Yeah. And so that's what energy leadership is all about. It's really about coaching by understanding the emotions, recognizing where they are, and then being able to shift them into productive levels. Thank you for explaining that. Yeah. And so for you then, what inspired you or was the catalyst for you leaving the comforts of the corporate world and making the transition into the entrepreneurial world? So similar to Jackie, it was personal reasons that kind of shook me up. I am a two-time surviving sibling. I lost my sister in 1998 and my brother in 2008. And when my sister passed away, my response to deal with that was to overwork, to overachieve, to create all these goals, which I achieved. But it also came with a big level of probably burnout and just that's how I was coping. So 10 years later, my brother passes away and it was a real wake up call. And I thought to myself, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to get to the next level. I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do next, but I knew it wasn't that. And so at that point, I really started to reevaluate my life, got more into personal development and understood what coaching was about. And at that time, coaching was real. like you started to hear about it more, right? Yeah. And so it got my interest and it felt like it was really the natural place of where I wanted to be because I felt very passionate about inspiring others to live their best life. And I know that sounds very cliche, especially after Oprah's been saying it for 20 years. <laughs> I knew that there was more, right, than just trying to make do. Yeah. And so I really became committed to making that kind of impact. And so now we've heard the word burnout a few times in our conversation already. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, both of you. It is very common. And I think it's very common, especially among women. So what is one takeaway that listeners can implement immediately, in your opinion, to help prevent that burnout among women? I'll start. I think each one of us has an individual indicator of what burnout looks or feels like for them. Jackie said it before. She knows when she's too in the weeds. For me, I know what it feels like also. I just, it's an internal kind of shift. And very often women will feel it. And then what do we do? We keep going. We push through it. So the first thing is learn what it is for you, what it feels like, how it shows up, and then honoring it. So Mm -hmm. if you're teetering and you're like, I think I've had enough for the day, take a break. If you can't finish for the day, but really start to learn what that is for you and challenge yourself to not push through it and to give yourself what you need. Okay. Jackie? My thing, we always talk about that too, is the fine line between grit and burnout. And I don't think women recognize it or know it. But the other side of it that I'm recognizing as I work with a lot of mid-career women who are claiming that they're on the brink of burnout a lot of them are actually not burning out, but they're bored out, right? So what that means is what they are doing doesn't align with what actually naturally motivates them. So they become very bored or you become very burnt out. So what I always say is I would love for people to go through for a week and outline every single task that they do in their job and then where their energy is on a scale of one to 10. Does Is it a 10? Do I enjoy doing this? Or is it a one? Do I hate doing this? Or where does it fall in between? And then see how much of your day to day is actually tasks that you don't like. Because what happens is women tend to get in these roles and they're just working and they're not consciously deciding what their next is. And they find themselves in burnout. And it's because they're doing stuff they're either not good at they don't enjoy, it's not their strength. 
And just by analyzing how they spend their time, they can either readjust the work that they do, talk to their boss, or go and find a job that fits more in alignment with that. So it really is an awareness on what that means for you and understanding that it is probably a misalignment more than it's necessarily an overworking. And it's pretty fascinating when people start to do, we call it energy plotting, but when people start to plot their tasks for their energy. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Bored out. That's a great term. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so <It's> uh, <laughs> these next few questions, I want to, I would love to hear from both of you, your own personal thoughts and stories in relation to, to these topics. And seeing as you are both certified coaches, I hear a lot of the women that I speak to say that most, if not all coaches have been through their own journeys or struggles that were, I guess you could call it the catalyst for them taking the leap into coaching. And of course, as human beings, we've all been through our shit. We've all had our stuff to deal with. Absolutely. But it seems like the coaches, there's a catalytic moment for them that propelled them into coaching through their own struggles. So I'd love to hear from each of you about your own journey into coaching and what that catalytic moment was for each of you. Yeah. For me, it was definitely the death of my brother more than my sister. I had at that point started working with a grief therapist who was very into the brain and the way the brain worked. And that was like the first time I remember her challenging me on things like, what's the negative belief here? And the concept you could actually change the brain and really just getting interested in the psychology behind what I was going through. That is really what turned me on to the concept of coaching and really getting into it as a certified professional. I think also my love of being forward thinking. So psychology, very often we're healing the trauma, but coaching is all about moving people forward towards goals. So having the tools to move individuals forward to first identify what they want and then go after them felt very exciting for me. Okay. Jackie? For me, it was a couple of things that led up to it. My dad had been sick in a hospital for eight months out of nowhere. And during that time, I continued to work full-time in the city with a three-year-old at home. And I had a big meeting with, it was a million dollar proposal that I was running with one of my team leads and- my dad had um, a coronary. So I had to run to the hospital. So I took a car, went to the hospital, I took a car from the hospital to work so that I could Mm -hmm. make it to this meeting. And I got in trouble for taking a car service. And it was the fight. This is the first I'm hearing of this story. It was was the ding ding moments that I was like, yep, what I'm giving is I'm not getting. So it was that coupled with my daughter who's neurodiverse started really struggling behaviorally in kindergarten she went from thriving in pre-k to this whole new kid and my dad had passed away by that point and i think it changed her and i realized that i could be a mom or yeah. i can be this big executive in the city and at this point i couldn't do both because of the commute and i decided to just step off and when i did the calls I was getting was, Jackie, I have this conflict. Jackie, I'm, I'm now leading this team. What do you think? And I realized that was my gift. I missed maximizing individual potential. So I went back to school for coaching and the rest is really history. <laughs> that is powerful. And so how then have these experiences helped shape the women you are today, both personally and professionally? Oh, for me, life is completely different. I used to be someone who was very reactive, 
but felt that things happened to me, was probably very victim-y. I think I was friendly and easy to get along with, but underlying that was my, just my my operating system, right? And now I know that there is so much potential in each one of us. We don't have to live that way. No matter what we go through, we can choose to see the lens that we want to approach the world, regardless of the situation, even if it's very difficult. And I'm not saying that you don't go through a time of healing, right? but you can also use it as a way to really catapult you to the next thing. Beautiful. Jackie? So it's interesting because I don't think that I changed that much from mine. I think that there were realizations that I needed to adjust the way that I worked. But what I did notice is that I've changed from just getting older and more experienced. My husband, when I was 30, was diagnosed with lymphoma and he was 31. So I've had these, we couldn't get pregnant. We had infertility, then we adopted. Like we have had lots of these traumatic moments that could have changed me, but I think it's the collection of my experiences and then the wisdom of my age that have really helped me become the woman that I am today. So I don't think it's one thing. I do truly think it's a collection of all of those experiences that give me a different outlook. And so what would you say was the most valuable takeaway or lesson for each of you through your own individual experiences? For me, I grew up in a household where I'm also adopted, ironically, but I grew up in a household where my mom was extremely positive, extremely nurturing. Both my parents had a great childhood. And my mom was always positive. To this day, she's got severe health issues. She's 80 and the sun is still shining. So <laughs> it is all about positivity. It is all about we get to choose how we see life. And there are days that are going to be gray. But we can also recognize that in the gray, there's also this comfort in being cold and snuggly under the blanket, and that's okay, right? It's, <laughs> it's it. all about that. And it's not Pollyanna or toxic positivity, but it mm-hmm. is truly recognizing that the only way to be happy is to know when you're not happy. Yeah. So it is all part of this beautiful gift of life and that we have so much more control over how we feel than we think we do and not to just settle. Yeah. What an incredibly strong role model your mother yeah. is. Yeah. Incredible. That's so powerful. She is. Thank you for sharing amazing. that. Amazing. I always said to her and to everyone that would listen, if I'm half the mom, my mom was, my daughter will be okay. <laughs> she was the most amazing mom. Beautiful. Mimi, how about you? Very similar. It's this idea of choice, right? So things happen to us and we have the choice to look at your glass half full or half empty, or as my husband says, yeah, or as my husband (laughs) says, I don't even have a glass. (laughs) So there's that, right? Right. But we have the choice to look at things either way. And that came up earlier in our conversation. You said it two minutes ago. It's really powerful. So when you recognize that there is a choice, it really makes a big difference. It gives you control. You're in the driver's seat then. Yeah, for sure. What is it then that sets you and the work you do apart from other coaches? Why would they choose to work with you over someone else? We were just talking about this earlier. There are a couple of things. From a practical point of view, it's really the marriage of what we call the resting mind formula, which is this concept of using awareness and energy and brain science and habits to create sustainable change. So that is one thing that we've created and all of our tools and processes are are developed in that. But otherwise, Jackie and I really want to be relatable to people. 
We want to really lead by influencing them, letting women see what is possible for them, especially as they hit mid-age, and also just to feel our warmth and engage with us and have fun with us. Yeah, would and I, I would agree. And, all, and this openness that we have, we create a safe space for women who oftentimes don't have a safe space, yeah, oftentimes yeah. feel judged, oftentimes feel lesser than, oftentimes struggle with their self-worth and their confidence and to create a vulnerable space where they can tell you how they really feel and what they're really doing and then be able to create a path forward to Mimi's point of the possibilities is amazing. And I think there are a lot of great coaches out there. I think that if you recognize that you are a guide that has to listen and that has to nudge versus dictating and talking. I think a lot of coaches don't practice the right principles, aren't trained the same way. And to me, I think anyone who's listening who wants to hire a coach, interview three or four, make sure you feel comfortable, ask them about their coaching philosophy, get in there and say, what are your processes? What are your strategies based on? And see if it feels right. Use and lean into your intuition, especially as a woman. I always say when someone calls me first, I'm like, have you talked to anyone else? No, I haven't. I was like, I would highly recommend you talk to someone else. And they're like, what? Wow, that is... You need to have comparison in order to feel good about your choice, right? You don't know you're happy if you're always happy. You're happy because you've had sadness. And so it's really about making sure that you're making that, that... we're encouraging women to choose the right coach for them. The that right there is, speaks fucking yeah. volumes. The fact that you would say to people who are, are calling, have you looked anywhere else? Because you could just say, okay, yeah, I'll take your money. Come on, yeah. let's go. So right. that speaks volumes as to who you ladies are as coaches and as your business. I think that is absolutely incredible. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off, Mimi. Go no, ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to add coaching is – It's not just about setting some goals and saying, okay, I'm going to hold you accountable, right? It's really doing the deep inner work and very often peeling back layers and being challenged. So you need to make sure that there is comfort with the person that's challenging you because they're going to ask you the hard questions and you need to make sure that you feel like you're in good hands as you're being challenged in that way to look for the answers within yourself. And so that's why the fit is really important. The other thing I will add, I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit, is (laughs) make sure that the person who you are working with as a coach is indeed a coach. Because coaching is very different than being able to say, I've watched a couple of Tony Robbins tapes and I'm a motivational speaker. That's very different than really being trained in the philosophies and the principles of how to get to the bottom of someone's thought process or helping them unravel these beliefs that are so embedded, they feel like the truth, right? Yeah, and they're yeah. not. So you want to make sure that you are in good hands and the industry is not regulated enough and mm-hmm. you want to be careful. Yeah, for sure. Thank you both for that advice. Great yeah. advice. What in your opinion is one of the most important qualities or skill sets in a coach? Listening. Yeah. Listening for sure. You have to listen, but then you have to also listen to understand what is really going on under the surface so that you can then reflect and ask the right questions to get to the next thing. That's what I would say. I would add to that. It's listening and it's also leaving yourself at the door. We have our own stuff, right? We're humans. I have yeah. my own judgments. I have my own beliefs about things. And if they creep into your mind or creep into the session, you're a goner. So really, to me, it's even more important almost than listening is 
openness and leaving yourself at the door so that you can come into the conversation fully present without your own bias, bias attached to that. Yeah. Love it. It's Thank great. you for that. What lights you up or excites you the most about the work you do as coaches? The transformation. For me, it's the possibility. Yeah, for me, it's the transformation. I love that feeling. I just had a client on Fridays. I got the job. Like, I love that feeling. I had another client who came to me and she said, I changed the way that I ran my meetings and I cannot believe how incredibly more efficient they are and what we're getting out of them. So it's those types of things where there's concrete proof that it matters, right? Yeah. It matters because yeah. a lot of the work that you do as a coach is internal. It's not, hey, I'm going to do your marketing and you get a piece of marketing at the end, right? It, yeah. is, it is something internal that has to shift. And yes, the job is great, but they have to be aware of things. So I think to me, that's the greatest is that transformation. Love it. Okay. From each of you, I'd love to hear what is the most important lesson you've learned in your career so far? As a coach... Oh, we're all fucked up. <laughs> Seriously. Like everyone has their shit. That's what, that's the greatest yeah. lesson that I have learned is that there is no such thing as perfection. And in this world of social media, especially women have comparisonitis and they see their friends, kids all getting on the honor roll, getting into big schools, or they're going on vacation or they're buying brand new cars that everyone is a mess inside in some way, shape or form. And so that to me is the biggest thing that it's okay. I'm not alone. I work on myself. I have a coach. I work on myself and I'm not perfect. And that is just the truth. And that's the one thing that I think every woman specifically needs to hear. Yeah. Thank for you for me, your honesty. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it's that it never ends, right? Like you'll get to, there's never a there. Right. Because you get there and then you want to go to the next place. And what I have learned is that if you're not uncomfortable, you're not doing it because mm. that discomfort is where the growth is. Mm -hmm. And so when things get too easy, that should be an indicator that you've, you've let go of the rain. Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's get into what it is exactly. Let's talk all about modern Gen X women. So mm. first of all, I'd love to hear what was the inspiration behind starting or creating Modern Gen X Woman. Can you share that with us and tell us a little bit about what Modern Gen X Woman is all about? Sure. So initially, when we met, we initially talked about over a cup of innocent cup of coffee, <laughs> just what our coaching background was. And that's where we talked a lot about energy and, and brain science and positive psychology. And the seed of this idea of what we could create with that was born. Our original company was called The Resting Mind which is really the formula that we use. Okay. What we realized about a year and a half in that- No, immediately we were Gen X. Gen we were always Gen X, X. yes. Yeah. We were always, yeah, yeah, but no. we all, yes, we were always- Focused, focused on, on Generation X women. Why? Because we knew that Gen X women were really starting to struggle. There was a big article that had come out about the- uh, new Midlife Crisis. It was written by a woman um, named Ada Calhoun, who then wrote okay. a book. And Jackie and I really could relate to this. So this had happened around the same time that we started our company, we started working together, and this book came out and we really related to it. So we knew that it was important that we work with women who were 40 plus generation X women. What happened then as time went on was we realized, you know what, we want to be playing bigger and we really want to put a line in the sand for women 40 plus. And that's when we rebranded to modern Gen X woman. Yeah. And we also realized that there's 
the difference between a Gen X woman and a modern Gen X woman, as a matter of fact, we have a manifesto that your listeners can download by going to moderngenxwoman.com backslash manifesto. It's we'll put, really We'll put about, the link in the show notes for that. For okay, sure. great. Yeah. It's really all about the way the modern Gen X woman shows up because in mid-age, there are things that we're dealing with, but instead of crumpling and falling apart, a modern Gen X woman knows when to ask for help. She knows when to open her mouth and she knows when to brush away the tears, let the tears come, but then be like, okay, I've got a plan. Right. Yeah. So these are all the different characteristics of what a modern Gen X woman looks like. Yeah. And, and what the organization really does is we have twofold. One is we do one-on-one coaching for women and for women 40 plus to up-level their professional success and to really cultivate their leadership skills. And then this, the other part of that is we go into corporate and we use something what we call the FEM lead model, which is feminine leadership traits. And we teach things like emotional intelligence, relational intelligence, and linguistic intelligence. So how do these things help you become a leader for tomorrow? Because the way that everyone has led up until this point has been very militant and hierarchical and masculine. Mas- it's been very masculine, right? So we really have noticed all the research is coming out that women excel as leaders and companies that have more female leaders actually have a double or triple return on the bottom line profitability. So how do you take those skills and apply them to everyone, yeah. up level women and apply them to men so that we are leading with women first traits? So because you're going into corporate, are you ladies seeing a big shift in women now stepping into more of their feminine and shedding? We all have, all of us, every human being has both masculine and feminine within us. So are you seeing a shift though, where the women are stepping into more of their feminine power now and shedding some of that masculine power? Or is it still, we've got a long way to go still, but we have a long way to go. What we're starting to see though, our companies are recognizing the importance of it. And they recognize that, you know what, if we still want to be players moving forward, we need to adapt to this new model because the old model doesn't work for lots of different reasons. People are just not only socially do they not work, the employees are demanding more now and we're seeing that more than ever. So it can't be lip service anymore because the pressure is on and it's on where they're feeling their profits decline and then they've got to answer to their shareholders, right? And that's not going to fly. And there's just one more layer I wanted to add to that too, which is the culture of organizations has to change and that's going to take a lot longer. So even if a woman is more masculine or more feminine, if she is confident, there are issues that she is confident, right? She is seen as bossy. She is seen as arrogant. A bitch, all of these things, right? right? So there's a lot of work to be done. I do think the beautiful thing about why we get so excited about doing this work too, Brad, is that Women that are 40 plus, this Gen X, we're actually doing lots of things to change the way the world is working, right? We're the ones leading the menopause revolution. Um, Me Too was started by a black woman who was in her 40s, right? Uh, All of these things. And we want to be the company that's changing what midlife looks like. And we're the generation that's not accepting what was accepted previously. And instead saying, okay, we're going to shift this and we're going to do everything we can to do that quicker than every other change has happened. So how do you think then we continue to move the needle forward with this and get more women on board with the mission and stepping into more of their feminine? And also, as you mentioned, with corporate America, corporate Canada, wherever it is, 
it's still these old white dudes that are running the fucking companies that are stuck in their minds. And you're not going to change their minds. It's not going to yeah. happen. That's impossible. That's like pushing a boulder uphill. I don't think that's going to change until all of those guys get the fuck out of there and yeah. they move on. They've yeah. retired. And the new people coming in who are more open-minded and are willing to try new things start to adapt these shifts in culture. But in the meantime, what can be done to continue to move the needle forward? Yeah, that's a great question. A couple of things. First, I agree with you. The people that are, it's just bedrock. Things won't change until either they get ousted out yeah. because they aren't making the profits and then things will change or they retire, right? Yeah. That's the fact. What can happen though are there are companies out there that are willing to embrace this kind of leadership. And so it's really for them to lead the way in what the possibility is, right? Because when companies see how well these companies do, they become the case studies, right? That other people are starting to follow. They're, they're really the proof in the pudding and, and the evidence. So that's a big piece of it. The other piece of it is to empower women individually. So it's either the one-on-one -on -one and then they show up and they're leading differently. And that's how departments change, cultures start to change. It's almost a grassroots kind of boots to the ground teaching and mindset shift yeah. in what this can look like. Okay. Did you have anything to add? No, it was perfectly said. Beautiful. That's awesome. Beautiful. And so how did you come up with the name for the business and how long have you guys been running Modern Gen X Women? We've been running it four and a half years. Okay. And then we rebranded to the name Modern Genics Woman. It'll be two years this fall. And how did we come up with it? We were thinking about it because we were like, the resting mind, it's not really capturing what we are about. It's what we do. It's not what we're about. And one of the things, Brad, that we hear so often is that women don't feel seen and heard. And we wanted Generation X women to know that they were seen. And that was really at the root of it. And we want to promote what the modern Gen X woman looks like, because a lot of times it's not that the Gen X woman isn't successful, but the Gen X woman is resilient to the point of working their fingers down to the bone. Yeah. Where the modern Gen X woman recognizes that hard work isn't what's going to get her to the quarter office, right? The, yeah. the Gen X woman believes that if she's going to go up the ladder, she has to sacrifice everything. The modern Gen X woman believes that she can have success without sacrifice. So it's little shifts in the way that the modern Gen X woman believes collaboration is the way to, to succeed, where the Gen X women might think competition is the way to succeed. Mm -hmm. So we're really trying to shift women from the way that we've grown up in the business world to how we want to project forward in the business world. And as humans, right? How yeah. do we project our humanness first? That competition piece, I like that you mentioned that because that is a huge thing that I saw in my corporate life is the competition among women because yes. they're so, and there's, it was really, it's the patriarchy's fault of that as well, because there are so few positions available for women in corporate of authority that they had no choice, but to compete with their fellow women, right. which then turns into clawing each other, backstabbing each other and all the other bullshit that comes along. Yeah. So I love that you mentioned that because it's an important piece, but it's great to hear that's the focus. You guys are looking at shifting that mindset that you don't have to compete. The Gen X woman knows that she, there's no competition. There's plenty compete. of room at the table, right, yeah. Brad? You know, yes. And that's the shift that we're seeing too, that there are more people at the table, although not enough, right? 50% yeah. of the population are women. Only 10% of leadership roles are held by women. We have Which a long is ridiculous. Way to go. We have a long way to go. But 
we can make and create that movement. We just have to take one step forward at a time. We can't allow the way we did business yesterday to dictate how we do business tomorrow. And we have to keep talking about it. We have to keep having the conversations. Yes. I would love to hear how you two met, connected, and decided to go into business together. Let's hear your story. (laughs) So so we always like to say, we mentioned it before, that it was over an innocent cup of coffee. But I had a woman who worked with me and then for me that was a friend of Mimi's. And Mimi used to work with her, first job out of college. It was our very first job out of college. I think we both started our professional careers the same day. So we've known each other for well over 30 years. So for years, I would hear about her. She would hear about me, Mimi this, Jackie this. (laughs) And so I had left corporate. And when Mimi left, I was talking to my friend and she said, oh, Mimi went back to school for coaching. She just finished. I said, you know what? You've been telling me about her forever. I need to finally meet her. Can you connect us? And we met for a cup of coffee at my local coffee shop and the seed of an idea was born. We were like, there's something here. We don't know what it is, but there's something here. Let's explore what this could look like. And it took us about two years to figure that out. And then we launched two years later and it was an incredible process of, understanding. And two things really moved us that were incredible. One is there is so much power in having a business partner that so many brand new companies don't get a chance to acknowledge or get. So there's a huge benefit in that. And then the second thing is that we did an analysis and we actually complement each other on lots of things in the way we do business, what we enjoy doing, how we see things. And when you overlay it, it it matches so beautifully. So it creates this expansive experience at business with our business acumen that I think we are so lucky to have. We're lucky. And we were naive in the beginning. We didn't even consider that. We just liked each other. We (laughs) thought we had something good, just did one another. But we were a little naive, right? Mm. And not looking at that and incredibly lucky that it worked out that way. Was it instant connection though? Like instant friends? Yeah. You knew we are going into business together. No doubt. Yeah. There was something there. And the crazy thing is I always like to share this part of the story too. I sat back behind her in a conference about five years prior to meeting her. (laughs) And she stood out to me because I liked what she was wearing. (laughs) And then we were working together for a while. And I said, by the way, would you have that conference? She's yeah, were you wearing them? She goes, Yeah. It's her. Yeah. <laughs> Too funny. Yeah. So what are the long term goals for modern Gen X women? Uh, Where do you want to take this? We've got some we want to create an empire. Right. And a movement. And really, a movement. that's the first thing. We want to create a movement for Gen X women. For women we do. forty plus. Eventually it won't just be Gen X, but we want to create a movement for women forty plus. We want women forty plus to recognize that where they are isn't where they have to stay. And what does that look like when you want to get to your next? That's our mission, right? Our mission is to make generation, well, our vision is to make generation X the wealthiest wealthiest female generation, generation, right? Because stereo. Yeah. Because when you do that, it opens up so many more possibilities. We no longer have to accept the unacceptable. We could change the way businesses run. We can really cultivate leaders for tomorrow and show women that they should lead instead of follow. And that to me is really powerful. How do we help women be seen and heard? Yeah. Love it. And then we just, we have big vision there. We really want to reach women in a variety of different ways and really help them recognize what's inside of them so that they can 
turn their situations around, to really leverage the power that exists in them, because we feel like women are the world's most underleveraged resource. And we are on a mission to change that as well. Beautiful mission. I love it. Yeah, thank you. Now, of course, and obviously you are huge advocates of women's empowerment and finding women's voices and amplifying women's voices. What do you do to empower yourselves? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. It's funny that's because we actually, its I'm going to say we really, I think we're very lucky from a professional standpoint that we push each other to be better. So I think that's really empowering. What else do you want to learn? What else do you want to do? But I think for me to be empowered, it's really about taking ownership of every aspect of my life and knowing that I get to mold it and I have the power to do that. And that's empowering to me. What can I influence? Where can I just be on the sidelines of being a cheerleader in my family? All of those things, that's empowering to me. For me, it's always reminding myself that I want to set an example. And so it's an example for all the other women out there that may be struggling right now and thinking, is it too late? Am I stuck in this situation? How can I change things? Can I really make money? All of those different things. I always remind myself that my purpose on this planet is to inspire others and show them that it is possible. The other thing, piece of it I will add is I am an aunt to 17 nieces and nephews. <laughs> Holy and, shit. Yeah. And I love, I never wanted to be, I don't have children by choice. I love being an aunt. It is the best job in the whole damn world because <laughs> you get to spoil the crap out of them. But you know what? You also really get to act as a role model. And I've gone to college visits and I get calls for this has happened or that's happened. And I I love having that place in their lives. And again, it goes back to being a role model for them, yeah. right? So I'm not showing up as my best self and really walking the talk. How can I expect them to do it? Yeah, very true. Are you seeing a shift then in terms of more women making a shift where they're stepping into more coveted and important roles within corporations and organizations or making the jump out of corporate and into entrepreneurship? And if so, why do you think that is? Why are they leaving? I think the pandemic yeah. yeah, really changed that for a lot of women. And okay. a lot of women initially jumped ship and started their own business. I'd be curious to see though, how that starts to shift back it's already the other way. Back. Yeah. A lot of women are going back into corporate. Yeah. Because the security, running a business is not for the faint of heart. Yeah. It's hard. Mm-hmm. And I think people think it's a lot easier than it is. And so now that things are starting to level out a little bit more in corporate, we're going to start to see the shift back. I think that we need to start having the conversations around this whole thing with entrepreneurship, because I think that entrepreneurship seems to be glamorized or romanticized through social media. And honestly, entrepreneurship is incredible. It is a fuck of a lot of hard work and you have to be dedicated. It does take a certain type of person to do it for sure. But I think that we need to start having the conversations around the fact that this is not all puppy dogs, rainbows, and ice cream. There are struggles. Solopreneurship can be lonely at times. And I think it's, partially our responsibility as entrepreneurs to educate those who are coming into the entrepreneurial world to teach them and let them know that this is not going to be easy. 
No. You know, it's going to take a lot of hard work and struggle and all of the things, but you can make it. It is absolutely right. 100% possible. You just have to be willing to put in the work and stick it out because it's very rare that you come into it and within the first six months or within the first year, you're making six, seven, eight figures and yeah, you know, you're know you off and running, right? Yeah, it's such baloney. And yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think also the other thing that people don't realize is the they yes, it's flexible, but mm-hmm. you work harder than ever. If I have to be flexible, I can be, but I'll also work all weekend if I have to. So I could take a Tuesday off to help my mom with something, but that also means I could be working Saturday and Sunday. It is not something that you do on the side, unless you want to set it up that way. Yeah. You don't expect to be making six figures and working 10 hours a week. That, yeah. that doesn't work. <laughs> and I, I want to yeah. add something yeah. that I think is really how we talk about it too. It's almost like going from an independent contributor to a leader, right? To a manager's role. What made you a great independent contributor has nothing to do with what makes you a great leader. There's a whole new set of skill sets that we need to learn. It's the same thing for entrepreneurship. So if you are an incredible salesperson, incredible top-notch marketer, you went from owning your lane, right? This Mm -hmm. lane of marketing or sales or operations to getting dropped on a six-lane superhighway where everyone's going 80 miles an hour both ways. The Autobahn. Right? And you have to, right, the Autobahn. You have to know marketing and sales and web development and SEO and process and, and pitching and decks and sales calls. And most people, especially solopreneurs, don't like to sell. So yeah. they just think they're going to put up a website. So there's a realization about what it takes Not that you can't do it, but what you need to learn before you even dive in and what you are willing to do and what you're not willing to do. Because there are certain things as an entrepreneur you can't outsource and sales is one of them. You have to be the one doing the sales, especially in in an early stage. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing is just Mm -hmm. the way you're so stretched mentally, psychologically, right? I've heard this and it is so true. It is the best self-development program right? 100%. Because the awareness, the fortitude, the, the confidence, all of it, it's constantly, you really need to be working on that all the time as well. You better get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. going to be stretched in ways and, and muscles will be used that you never even knew existed. Yes. So true. Exactly. <laughs> what do you think the most significant barrier is to female leadership? Opportunity. I do. I think that the opportunities I think some companies have great lip service about it, but the opportunities are not always there. Don't really always back it. I think opportunity 100%. I think there's a second tier, which is this idea that women believe that if they are going to go up the corporate ladder, that they have to sacrifice something else. Mm. And I believe that has to be a mindset shift of this is no longer the time where you have to work harder in order to be successful. You just need to work smart. And I think that especially in our generation, we grew up differently. Enter modern Gen X woman. (laughs) (laughs) That mindset. Yes. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Mine is efficiency, positivity. My nickname is the Jack Russell of humans because I'm (laughs) high energy. I'm optimistic. I'm loyal, but when I want something, I sink my teeth in and I don't let go. So it's that Jack Russell-ness that makes me truly. (laughs) For sure. She's got a lot of energy. When I don't have energy, I'm like, Mimi, I have to tell you, I'm a little sluggish today. She's like, you're like me today. (laughs) 
<laughs> which, is, which is not low energy at all. It's not low. Yesterday, this is a great example. Yesterday, I went on a hike. I was with my cousin and I'm hiking. I'm like, I take a break. And I thought to myself, if Jackie were here, she would sprint right up this mountain. <laughs> For me, it's this ability to see the big picture. I can go real high and then I can go down real low into all of those details almost you know, simultaneously. Yeah. And I think that's a real superpower to be able to see the big picture, but then to be able to roll up my sleeves and dig in and do what the detailed work of what has to get done now. Yeah. How do you define success? What does that word mean to you? Happiness. Me, for me, it's just achieving whatever it is I want to achieve. And it doesn't have to be big goals, but success can be choosing not to have a piece of bread today. And that's success, right? All all small little goals that add up to whatever that is. Okay. What does the word empowerment mean to you? Excitement. I don't know. I have a hard time sometimes with this word. So uh, it means I think we're all empowered. We all have it in us. So it just means pulling it out to me. Pull out what you already have. Nobody's giving it to you. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here now. So the next grouping request just be one, two, three word answer type thing. Okay. You got it. How would you describe yourself in one word? Energetic. Positive. If you could teach the world one thing, what would that be? Patience. Vision. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Creativity and innovation. I don't know. I have to go back to that. I don't know. (laughs) Being able to think quick on my feet. Yes. There you go. Yeah. I'm like, I have to think. That's it. She's so good at thinking quick on her feet. And I've got to think that's that's what it would be. But that's the good balance, right? Yeah. Our business yeah. partners, that's a great balance. Someone once said that she's the microwave and I'm the slow cooker. <laughs> I was like slow cooking on. That was like a short rib answer. <laughs> what is your favorite entrepreneurial book? Never Eat Alone. Mine is Your Brain at Work. I don't know if it's an entrepreneurial book, but it's a powerful book. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Impact. Inclusion. And that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. (laughs) What is something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the last year? Strength, for sure. I knew I was strong, but in lots of different ways. Openness. Yeah. Yeah, openness. What aspect of your personality do you think has been the most helpful in your career? Oh, tenaciousness, just going after it. Yeah. I would agree. Me too. And yeah. confidence, actually. The confidence for me too. Knowing yeah. I have the capability to figure it out, even if I don't know how to do it. What is one lesson that your career has taught you that you think everybody should learn at some point in their life? Our career, my career. Mm-hmm. You must self-advocate. You must be your own best salesperson. And you must be able to represent yourself in a way because no one else is going to do it for you. Love that. Yeah, I would add to that, like communication and personal relationship, right, is so critical. Relationship and really getting to know people, especially as an introvert. I think in the beginning of my career, I really felt like, oh, I could just work in a bubble and I'll be happy. I underestimated the real power of relationship and community. Those two pieces are so important. To me, those are the cornerstones of entrepreneurship is relationships and community. I think we've lost community. And we need to get back to it. Yeah, absolutely. Because of the pandemic and and being online is not community. No, absolutely. It it was great. It's great because it puts you in contact with people that you normally wouldn't have ever connected with people on the other side of the world, which is amazing. But getting back to that in-person and that personal touch is important too, for sure. I think now also we 
because it was taken away from us so abruptly mm-hmm. and so traumatically, we really have an appreciation for it. Yeah, for sure. What is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? My capacity for empathy. Jackie? I was going to say You could <laughs> yes. say the same thing, absolutely. Yeah, the, my empathetic and nurturing nature. I love yeah. how I am a nurturer by nature. She is. Women are nurturers by nature. That's I'm really just... good at it, though. <laughs> What is the most important lesson you've learned in business, would you say? Mine is this concept of really connecting with others. That was a big eye-opener for me. I think one is just do it. Just Mm. do it. Fail, pick it up, look at it, see what you could do better. Just do it. Don't wait. It's the famous, don't keep taking information in without taking an action. Just do it. Go out there. That's the big thing. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Michelle Obama, because I think she is someone who is forward-thinking, brilliant, but doesn't take shit. (laughs) Okay, Jackie? Mine would be Oprah. I just love how grounded she is and spiritual she is. And she really set, she changed television. She changed self-development in a way that I'm thankful and grateful for. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Don't worry so much. Mine would be, you're not alone. Lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? You can do anything you put your mind to. It's inside of you. You can do it. Just go do it. Mine would be... Whatever you want to do, have the guts to go and do it. Don't wait for someone to give it to you. Don't wait for someone to acknowledge you. It is incumbent upon you to go after and get whatever it is that you want. So don't be a chicken shit. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Great message. Great way to end it, Maybe that should be the title of this episode. Don't be a chicken shit. Ladies, Jackie thank and Mimi. Yeah. yeah, thank you, ladies, so much for taking and making the time to be here with me today. It has been absolutely wonderful, a pleasure, inspirational. All the things you women are just so kick-ass, and I've loved the the time we've had together. And thank you for sharing your journeys and your inspiration along the way. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've enjoyed every minute of the conversation. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you. We loved being on. This is you are an amazing interviewer. We loved Thank being you. on the show with you. Thank it's you. very fun that. and very open. And, and and more importantly, we talked about this when we first talked. Just thank you for doing what you do. Because you. to women have a man to a man who is projecting the voices of women is so rare. And not that they that they don't, right? I have a wonderful husband who does, but to do it in this public forum is incredible. So thank you for what you're doing and for including us to be part of it because it means a lot to us too. Thank you. I'm honored to have the both of you as members of the Empowerography community. And I love what you guys are doing. It's important work and the beautiful light that you're shining out into the world needs to be shown brighter. And you two are doing exactly that. So thank you for the work that you're doing because it's important. Thank you. It's our honor. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guests have been Mimi Bishop and Jackie Gadeen. They are the owners, founders, and creators of Modern Gen X Woman. Thank you so much, ladies. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. You too, Brad. Thanks, Brad. 
Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.